Welcome to Storytime with Michael Kingswood. I am Michael Kingswood, retired naval officer, Christian, dad, and writer extraordinaire. I mostly focus on science fiction and fantasy, but I've been known to write just about everything under the sun, including the occasional romance. The purpose of this podcast is to share my stories with you, the reading slash listening public. So sit back and relax, because I'm going to tell you the story. Hi friends, Michael Kingswood coming back at you again with story time. So when you're listening to this, I'm not going to be in town. I'm recording this early because I'm going to go down to do some exploring south of the border a little bit this weekend since I'm close enough. And I hear Baja's great. Been uh, getting a lot of people raving about it. And so we're going to go do a little exploring there. Should be fun. But in the meantime, I know you can't stand to be without me, so, and, and the story, obviously the story, not necessarily me. Although the two go hand to hand together, don't they? Because you can't have the story without the author, and you can't have the author without the story. Well, you can't have the author without the story. But you know what I mean. You need the next two chapters of uh, Outdweller, and that's why we're here. So let's get to it. I wrote it a few years back. Kevin Sapp read it, he did a great job. Enjoy. I'll talk to you after the chapters. 19. The Guilty Party Melanie, open up! Julian pounded on the door to Melanie's shop, heedless of the closed sign hanging in the window. He had to find her before. He put that thought out of his mind. He did not want to consider what would happen if, no, when, Lauren caught up to her. She had convinced herself that he was not looking for her, and he was not, but now she had unwittingly placed herself in his sights. The situation was precarious, and she did not even know it. Of course, there was no answer. She had not opened her store in days. Julie would not have put it past her to have stayed beneath one of her concealment spells more or less continuously since they let her know of Lauren's presence in town. A great idea, but now it was one that would get her caught. Julian backed away from the door and had to hold back a snarl born of frustration and worry. He peered up to the shop's second story, where Melanie made her residence. The windows were dark, the curtains drawn. There was no indication she was upstairs at all, and surely she would have come down when she heard his knock. Where could she be? Damn it, he muttered. This was taking too long. He glanced up at the sun, just past noon. He was due to meet back up with Radrick soon. He had gone to fill the mayor in on the developments with Lauren. Ordinarily, Julian would have gone with him, but Melanie needed to be warned. Radrick had not objected to Julian taking the task of finding her, and the gods knew Julian was more than happy to avoid that meeting with the mayor. So, he bowed out. It almost made him feel a tiny bit guilty. Almost. The lack of Melanie was a problem, though. Julian considered leaving a note, but shelved the idea as being too risky. And besides, he did not have any paper with him. So, with a sigh, he turned away from Melanie's shop. She would just have to take care of herself, for the time being, at least. Radrick was just emerging from City Hall when Julian got there. He looked his normal self, well-tailored clothes and boots that, despite being common and cut, still somehow managed to give him a swashbuckling look. His expression was calm. Only a tightness about his eyes revealed how wound up he was. That bad? Radrick shrugged, but winced slightly before he was able to school his face to smoothness. About as expected. Julian nodded. That bad. 
Radric coughed out a half-chuckle and flashed a grin that almost made it to his eyes. Any luck? Julian shook his head. Damn. He drew in a breath and held it for a few seconds before exhaling slowly and smoothly. It was a calming exercise that Radric had picked up somewhere. He tried to teach it to the squad back in the army, but as far as Julian was concerned, it never seemed to work any better than anything else. It looked like it worked okay for Radric today, at least. Well, we'll just have to keep an eye out for her and hope she doesn't cross paths with Lauren. In the meantime, though, we have an appointment. Julian quirked a questioning eyebrow at him. Radric saw the expression. Remember what Lauren said? His fugitive and his pet outdweller only killed people who were morally compromised. Julian nodded. How do you suppose this fellow decided that Balin and Beverly fit the bill? I never heard a whisper that there was anything going on between them. Did you? That was for certain. It had been a bit of a shock learning of their affair, and not just because Beverly never seemed interested in any man. Balin was not exactly well-known in town, as much time as he spent off in the woods, but everyone regarded him as a fine family man who put his wife and children first above all things. Well, apparently not above all things, after all. Julian shook his head, his brain making the logical leap before Radric could voice it for him. Only Ilsa and Helena knew, and one of the two of them... Only Ilsa had a reason to wish the mill, Radric finished. So, they were back to Ilsa being the culprit once again, just in a different manner than they had initially thought. This was going to be one hell of an interesting appointment. Ilsa answered the door herself when Julian knocked. She looked horrid. Her eyes were sunken, with dark circles beneath them that screamed that she had not been sleeping. Little strands of hair stood up in wisps atop her head, having pulled free from the bun she wore. How long it had been since she last did her hair up? For that matter, her dress was rumpled. Had she slept, or rather, not slept, in it? Ilsa's eyes flicked between him and Radric, and Julian saw fright competing with resignation for a moment. I said before, I've not got anything else to say to you. We know who killed Balin, Ilsa, Radric said, and Beverly. She blinked and fell back a half-step letting the door swing open an additional foot before she caught herself. What? Her voice quavered a bit. From her expression, she had to work hard to keep it from doing more. Who? Did anyone other than you know about Balin and Beverly's affair? Julian said. Ilsa swallowed and opened her mouth as if to speak, but no words came out. After several seconds, she sighed and lowered her eyes. Then she stepped back and let the door swing open fully. You'd better come inside. Her voice as she spoke was defeated, seemingly devoid of hope. She did not wait for them to respond, but turned her back and walked further into her house. She quickly disappeared around a corner. Julian exchanged a quick glance with Radric, then followed her in. They found her in a small sitting room at the end of the cottage, adjacent to the home's small cooking area. It was sparsely appointed, but what furniture there was was well-crafted, by Balin's own hand, Julian wagered. Several small drawings were stuck on the walls, the children's handiwork from the look of them, and a faint, pleasant aroma permeated the room. It was from some manner of spices that Julian could not put his finger on, but the scent lent the final touch to make the room feel warm and welcoming. Or, at least it would have, under different circumstances. Ilsa sat in a rocking chair in the far corner of the room, 
gazing at the floor and wearing the most pained expression Julian had seen on her during this whole episode. She had not looked that mournful at Balin's funeral. Where are the children? Radric asked as he came to a halt in the center of the room. School, Ilsa said in a monotone. Julian blinked in surprise. As far as he knew, Ilsa did all the schooling for her children herself. Come again? She snorted out a half-laugh. Helena came by yesterday, said she felt horrible for everything that had happened. About time she felt bad. Her lips twisted into a snarl for a moment, but then, just as quickly, fell back into their earlier defeated frown. It was like Ilsa's face did not have the energy to support her being angry. She continued in that same monotone. I was about to kick her off my land when she offered to teach them free of charge. Another snorted laugh. Can you believe it? Radrig sounded incredulous as he said, And you accepted? Ilsa shrugged. I wanted to tell her to shove her teaching up... She stopped speaking, flushing a bit for a moment before she cleared her throat and continued. But I thought about what it could mean to them to get properly schooled. Another shrug. I don't care if it makes the hussy feel better about things, but if it does my children some good, I can pretend. Julian cleared his throat. You told Melanie Clemens that you had a serious problem you needed to discuss, but you never told her what. You meant Balin and Beverly, didn't you? Ilsa merely nodded. He exchanged another look with Radric. His friend looked resolved, but also pained, as though dreading to hear this. Julian could relate. Julian waited for a moment, hoping Radric would pick up the line of questioning. And so silence loomed for a long moment. I couldn't go to her, Ilsa said before Julian could give voice to the next question. It'd be all over town, and then... Her voice broke, and for a second or two it looked as though she was going to dissolve into a fit of weeping. But then she surprised Julian. She straightened her back and raised her eyes from the floor for the first time since they walked in. If she could not help, no one could. So I decided to drink instead. Uh, Julian began. Ilsa quirked an eyebrow at him. I went to Holbes and was having a merry time of it. Until he showed up. Her expression darkened, then reverted back to its earlier hopeless and defeated mask, and she lowered her eyes once again. He, Julian said, and was surprised at how hesitant, how uncertain he sounded. Ilsa nodded. The one you're looking for. Radric perked up, his entire body seeming to spring forward in a rush, even though all he did was take a half-step toward the woman, and a slow half-step at that. Who is he? Ilsa shrugged. Never got his name. Never saw him before that night, either. I was sitting at the end of the bar, and he sat down on a stool next to me. I remember thinking it had been a long time since a nice-looking man had tried to approach me socially, and he had this look in his eye. She shivered visibly. It made me remember. Ah, Julian began, that's... Ilsa cut him off. Though, in reality, she did not seem to have heard him, or at least she did not seem to care that he was speaking. She just kept right on talking as though he did not exist. He said he could see that my heart was troubled, that I had been done wrong. She drew a quick breath and held it. When she finally exhaled, it was like a sigh of regret, tinged with longing. He said, a woman lovely as I am should never be heartsick like I was. 
Tears welled up in Ilsa's eyes and began to run down her cheeks. How could he have known how I was feeling so clearly? How desolate my heart was! She sobbed softly and pressed her hand to her mouth in a vain attempt to hold her emotion back. Julian looked away, embarrassed for her despite their suspicions about her culpability in her husband's death. A man did not intrude on a lady's grief unless invited, after all. From the corner of his eye, he saw Radric doing the same. After a pause that seemed to take forever, Ilsa sniffed and wiped the tears away. Then her voice gained a little bit of strength. I told the man about my suspicions about Balin and Beverly. I knew Balin had a little hideaway in the woods somewhere. I didn't know where, but I was certain they met there for their little trysts. Radric's voice was quiet, but hard as steel. And what did this man do? Nothing. At least, nothing right then. He patted my hand, bought me a drink, and said that if my husband had truly betrayed me in that way, he would get what was coming to him. She shuddered. When he touched me, it was like nothing I had ever felt before. It sent a shiver up my arm and my brain. But it was a good shiver. It made me feel like everything was going to be all right, that he would make all my troubles go away. What happened then? Julian asked. Ilsa did not move her head, but her eyes lifted to look at them. I do not remember anything after that except waking in my bedroom here, alone. She shivered again and wrapped her arms around herself as though to ward off the winter's chill. Later the next day, you found Balin dead. It was not entirely unexpected, but the flat way she said it made Julian's blood run cold. You think this man killed him? It was not a question. Ilsa hesitated, then nodded. Why did you not come to us before? She sniffed back another round of tears. Or at least it looked like another round was due any moment, anyway. What would I have told you? That I met some strange man in a bar and he whispered in my ear all night and I couldn't remember anything after that? What would you have thought of me? Julian opened his mouth to retort, then shut it as the reality of her words sank in. What would he have thought? That she was running around on her husband and had remorse after the fact, that's what. Slowly, reluctantly, he nodded, acknowledging her point. It was not until Beverly was killed also that I began to suspect. And by then... She broke off and turned her head away again, raising a clenched fist to her mouth as she fought to hold back another sob. She did not need to say it. By then, if she had come forward then... With a story as full of holes as this, she would have been high on the list of suspects, if not the only one. Then again, she was high on the suspect list anyway, so a lot of good or silence did for her. What did this man look like? Radric asked, softly, in the tone he reserved for the most delicate situations. Ilsa shook her head. I can't remember. The only thing I can remember is his voice. It was so... soft. She drew a shuddering breath. So soft. Radric and Julian exchanged glances. She was acting like a woman who was not entirely in her right mind. But then Julian supposed that made sense if the man she encountered was the fugitive Lauren described. Who knew what a mage who was demented enough to kill, or have his otherworldly minion kill in the way he had, would or could do to an unwitting victim's mind? Radric, as usual, had an easier time keeping his investigative wits about him. Do you think you could recognize his voice if you heard it again? 
Ilsa nodded emphatically, but said not a word. Radric returned the nod. Thank you, Ilsa. He turned to leave. Julian was about to turn to go when a thought struck him. Where was Balin's hideaway? He almost smiled when he saw Radric stop abruptly, stiffening as he realized what he had missed. Ilsa did not look at them. She just shrugged. I don't know. Somewhere in the woods, above a big stone cliff. Her voice returned to its earlier haunted monotone. That's all he ever said about it. Julian looked at her, and despite everything, felt his heart going out for her. She had lost everything, and yes, she may have some of the blame for what had happened, but only a little. How could she have known who, what, she was talking to? He saw clearly the grief in her eyes, almost buried beneath mountains of confusion and guilt, and he knew there was nothing he could say to make it better. But there might be something he could do. He turned and brushed past Radric on his way out of the cottage. That renegade mage was going to pay. Twenty. Suspect. Julian, Radric said, his tone concerned but also stern in the way that he got when he was talking with a subordinate who had done something stupid. He should know better than to do that. He was not Julian's superior officer, not any more. They were friends, partners, equals. I've had about enough of this, Julian growled, not slowing his pace. In fact, he sped up. He glanced up at the sun and did a quick computation in his head. About an hour after noon. Holb ought to be getting ready to open up. So have I, Radric said. But what do you think you're going to accomplish running off in a fury like this? Watch me. Radric tried several times to speak with him over the intervening minutes that it took to reach Holb's tavern, but he would have none of it. Their killer had been there, just a few nights ago. He had seduced Ilsa. Maybe seduced was not the correct term, but how else to think about one person warping another's thoughts and perceptions to his will? And someone must surely have taken notice of him. Holb was just rolling up the canvas tarp that blocked the bar off from the elements when Julian arrived, Radric on his heels. Funny how he had gotten quiet as soon as he saw their destination. The large tavern keeper eyed Julian with something between curiosity and annoyance as he approached, then he grunted. The grunt spoke volumes. What the hell did he want? The night before Balin the woodsman died, a man approached his wife here at your bar. Holb grunted again, then turned back to the tarp and began tying it in place. Julian ground his teeth. I am certain that that man is the one responsible for the murders. Holb froze in place, his fingers in the middle of a knot that Julian had no doubt he would never be able to tie himself. Holb turned his head slightly and looked at them, his face implacable, but one eyebrow twitching upward. Did you see him? Holb did not make a sound for several seconds. Then he rolled his eyes slightly and turned back to the knot. He finished it off with a swift tug of his wrists and turned around, wiping his hands on the apron he always wore behind the bar. For a moment, Julian wondered at the inanity of wearing that apron now, so far before his normal opening time but only for a moment. "'Saw a guy talking with her?' he said, his deep, gravelly voice sounding thoroughly unconcerned. The glimmer of anger and fear in his eyes put the lie to his indifference. "'Medium height, medium build, light brown hair, tanned skin, like Salam. He frowned slightly. 
Aside from that, just looks sort of... average. He shrugged and turned back to the middle of the bar, where the next tie that held the tarp up dangled, ready to be fastened in place. Radric finally broke his silence. An average person. That's it. That's all you have. Holb glanced back at him over his shoulder, and his frown turned into something that was more like a scowl. He held Radric's gaze for a second, then shook his head again and got back to tying the next knot. Have you seen him before, or since? Holb paused again, pondering, then shrugged as he pulled the knot tight. Only saw him one other time. He was talking with Dewey the other night. The same night Dewey was killed. It was not a question. Holb froze still, then jerked out a nod. If Julian did not know him better, he would have sworn the big barkeep was spooked. Julian looked over at Radric and saw his friend chewing on his lower lip, lost in thought. The wheels were turning quickly behind Radric's eyes, but Julian was fairly certain he knew where Radric was going. No one is average. No one. There is always some distinguishing characteristic about a person. Most people may not notice those characteristics, but they are there, and Julian was fairly certain Holb was not the type to miss those sorts of things. If he could only describe the guy as average, there was something else at work. Magic. There could be no doubt about it. They had finally found the trail of their killer. For a second, Julian felt a surge of elation run up his spine. It quickly faded before reality. Sure, they knew where the killer had been, and more or less what he was, assuming Lauren had been truthful with his tale, but they still had no idea where the hell to even start looking for his lair. Radric spoke up. One more thing, Holb. The bartender sent an icy gaze Radric's way and, if anything, scowled even more deeply. Radric seemed not to notice. Did Balin ever come in here? Holb shrugged and gave a half-nod. The woodsman did not come by often, the nod said, but every now and then. Did you ever hear him talk about his hideaway in the woods, where it was? Holb rolled his eyes slightly, then gave a quick shake of his head and turned away completely. It was obvious from the set of his shoulders that he did not intend to say another word to them. Well, that had been better than nothing. Far better. Radric looked more than a trifle reluctant as he raised his hand to knock on Lauren's door, and Julian did not blame him. The mage had reclaimed his room at the Orlock, but if Molly's extremely terse warning was any indication, he was in no mood for visitors. <laughs> Small wonder that. All in all, Julian considered that maybe going to him was not the best idea he had ever had. Hell, Radric as much as pointed that out, even though he was in agreement. They had uncovered an important lead, and Lauren needed to learn about it both because it might help him finish his work and get out of town as soon as possible, and because it would show they had some value to contribute. Ordinarily, Julian could not have cared less about what someone like him thought, but if he and Raytrick could convince Lauren to let them on the team, they could work more efficiently towards capturing the rogue bastard. And, maybe, keep Lauren away from Melanie. The door opened, and the mage looked out at the two of them with a quirked eyebrow. He was dressed in his formal robes, the same he had worn to meet the mayor, which seemed a bit odd. Constables, have you come to escort me to the funeral? Julian blinked and traded a surprised look with Radric. Uh, beg pardon? he said. Lauren's eyebrow quirked up even higher. The funeral for Master Dewey and that unfortunate young woman is this evening, is it not? Julian nodded, confused. 
As with Beverly, the decision had been made to not delay any more than necessary. But Lauren had not come to any of the funerals thus far. Why would he care to come to this one? Lauren sniffed softly, dismissively. If you're not to be my escort, I would ask you to please leave me in peace. I have preparations to make before I depart for the ceremony. He began to push the door closed, but Radric pressed his palm against it, stopping its motion. We need to talk. I think not. Last we talked, you were none too cordial or cooperative. As I said, leave me be, and maybe I will forget your transgressions when I make my report to the Magisterium. Lauren smiled a nasty little smile that said his earlier forgiveness was not on the up-and-up. Not that Julian really expected it to be. Or at least I could lessen their severity. Radric just gave him a level look. We have information about the killer's identity. Lauren's smile slipped, and he regarded first Radric and then Julian with a frank, appraising stare. Then, after a long moment, he sighed softly and pulled the door fully open, waving for them to enter his room. Lauren frowned deeply when Radric finished telling what they had learned from Ilsa and Holb. He sat on the lone chair in the room, looking up at the two of them like a ruler receiving supplicants. Julian had to work hard to avoid letting his irritation with the man's demeanor show. But then he had to remind himself that they had put Lauren out considerably over the last couple of days. A little smugness in payback was taking it rather light, to be honest. Lauren steepled his fingers in the air beneath his chin and did not speak for a good minute. When he finally replied, he spoke slowly, like a man tasting his thoughts before he let them pass his lips, like a man reading a judge's sentence. Thank you, constables. This is most helpful. Julian thought sure he was going to say something more, but after a couple seconds passed, he shrugged lamely. Lauren saw the gesture and smirked ever so slightly. I mean it sincerely, Constable Hindebrook. This information provides a great insight into the fugitive's next action. Uh, it does. Indeed. Silence loomed for another long several seconds. Lauren looked at them expectantly the whole time. Finally, when it seemed the awkwardness of the moment could grow no larger, he rolled his eyes and spoke again. Thank you, gentlemen, that will be all. Magister Haverstead, Radric said, I really think... I am well aware of what you are thinking, Constable. Lauren tapped his right index finger against his temple, and Julian's blood ran cold. Gods above, he really could read their minds. Radric snorted loudly. Don't try that old trick. We're not a couple of bumpkins whose knowledge of the world goes no further than the edge of our village. Julian glanced at his friend and swallowed. He was glad Radric, at least, was sure that particular rumor was untrue. For his part, Julian had never heard anything definitive either way. And hang it all, why had he never just asked Melanie about it? But then, maybe as squad leader, Radric received some more detailed briefings, or met some of the division's mages, or some such. Lauren looked at Radric for a couple seconds, then he smiled a far more genuine smile than he had shown to either of them to date. He let out a soft chuckle and raised a hand in a mollifying gesture. Say a piece, Constable. Radric gave a quick nod that continued. We know he's been to Holbes twice, and that he picked his victims because of what he learned from Ilsa. We have information on where Balin's hideaway is. I'll bet good money he went there a time or two, since Beverly and Balin met there. If... Yes, yes, Lauren said, waving dismissively. I've seen this hideaway. A thoroughly unimpressive little shack. Unimportant. Radric blinked. What? I'll tell you what is important, Constable, 
He leaned forward, peering intently at Raedric. You know why Balin and Beverly were killed? The affair. The young woman at the boarding house was almost certainly a case of being in the wrong place at the wrong time. He inhaled slowly, then spread his hands and asked, But why was Dewey the woodsman killed as well? Raedric opened his mouth to reply, but paused. He looked perplexed after a second or so and closed his mouth again. The question caught Julian off guard as well. If Lawrence Fugitive went after the morally depraved, Beverly and Balin were prime targets because of their adultery. Dewey, though. Julian did not know enough about Dewey to be able to say one way or the other what sort of man he really was. He had no idea about Dewey's habits except for the little he had observed during their tromp into the Glamourwood together. But Dewey did not have a bad reputation, so why would he... It hit him all at once. He could not believe they had not seen it before. Dewey knew about the affair and did not stop it, Julian said. Lauren turned his eyes on Julian and nodded, his expression almost approving. Now, did anyone else know this thing was going on? Julian's blood ran cold again. Frigid. Helena. He had to force the name out from between his lips. The dead Harridan's sister, yes. She also did nothing to stop the affair, Lauren said, and so is equally guilty. He raised a forestalling hand as Raedric opened his mouth to retort. Or at least that argument could be made by someone who is less interested in truth than on wreaking vengeance. Someone like the fugitive to his outdweller consort. Raedric's expression was beyond troubled. You expect him to make a try for Helena? When? Lauren shrugged. If it were me, I would wait until after the funeral. More dramatic that way, more symbolic. He'll wait until later tonight, and then he'll hunt her down and... He left the rest unsaid. Bugger me, Julian breathed. Well, at least we know where he's going to strike next. Lauren looked between Radric and Julian for another long couple of seconds, then sighed and shook his head. I see that it is useless to tell you to remain clear of this. He stood up and smoothed out his robes. Very well. Since you insist on butting in, you may assist. Assist with what? Julian said, though he had a feeling he already knew the answer. Sure enough, Lauren grinned, a hunter's grin that showed his teeth. His canine seemed to gleam in the afternoon sunlight that streamed in through his window. We are going to set a trap for this killer this very night. Hey, look, we finally got a plan, and it looks like it might actually be one that works. How about that? But you're going to have to come up next week to find out what happened there, unless you go by the book. SSNStorytelling.com is the website where you can get it direct from me, or my company anyway. And uh, any audio, any format you want, ebook, print, audiobook, um, you can get it there. And I get more profit because you cut out the middleman. You can still go to the middleman, Amazon and Barnes Noble and Apple and Kobo and all the other places out there if you want. I just get more money if you come straight to me. And it's more, I would say, uh, anti-fragile, to use uh, Nassim Taleb's wording. You know, who knows what happened to these other stores there's so many ways to get in people's bad graces these days, but if you come directly to me, you don't have to worry about it. We can do business together, and it's you know, no issue. Up to you. If you don't want to buy the book, or you can't for whatever reason, then obviously come back next week. Uh, happy to have you. Make sure you like, subscribe, 
turn on all the various notification things you need to wherever you're watching or listening to this from. And I'll see you next week. Until then, don't do anything I wouldn't do. Thanks for listening to Storytime with Michael Kingswood. For information on my books, visit michaelkingswood.com or visit my web store at ssnstorytelling.com. My books are all available through all the various e-tailers, but buying direct from me nuts me the most profit. For information on new releases and other special deals in the future, sign up for my newsletter on my website. Storytime with Michael Kingswood is copyrighted Michael Kingswood. Intro and outro music is copyright Gene Paul Zogby, licensed through stockmusic.net. All rights reserved. <laughs>